0: Hello Mamas and welcome to the Motherhood Podcast, the personal development podcast for mums ready to lead their life and their children bravely, confidently and from a place of deep self-fulfillment, health and happiness. I'm your host Jade Abbey, Motherhood Empowerment Coach, founder of the Motherhood Community and together we are going to redefine motherhood. In this podcast, I bring to you practical tools, inspiring teachings from global experts, insights into my own personal journey, as well as some good old humorous, honest mum-to-mum chats. So if you're ready to take on the journey to empowered motherhood, join me as I take that journey with you. Grab yourself a cuppa, get comfy, and enjoy this episode. This is episode 20 and today on the Mother Hair Podcast, we are joined by fellow mama Sophie Birch. Sophie Birch, aka the Mama Coach, is on a mission to put mental and emotional well-being on the map in pregnancy, birth and parenting. She has 16 years as a mother to four boys, including twins, as a perinatal therapist, coach and a birth trauma and PND survivor. Her experience has shaped who she is and awakened her to a life of compassion and deep empathy for everyone from preconception through parenting to menopause sophie's approach is simple to allow people to feel heard held safe and worthy of love and self-acceptance 2020 saw her launch her book beyond birth a mindful guide for early parenting which is an integration all she knows will help people have a more balanced, positive experience as they transition from pregnancy to parenting. So, in this episode, Sophie shares with us her motherhood story and what has led her to a deep passion for helping parents emotionally thrive right from conception through to parenthood. We dive into societal culture around parenting and the importance of us normalizing and making our emotional well-being as parents a priority. Sophie shares with us how implementing emotional wellbeing practices can positively impact not only how we show up for ourselves, but also our families. Sophie opens up about how this has had a positive flow-on effect onto her children and how this has allowed her as a mother to example emotional regulation. Lastly, she explains how simplistic yet powerful emotional wellbeing practices can be and how we as mothers can start to integrate these into motherhood, even with the busiest of schedules. So without further ado, let's bring on the beautiful Sophie Birch. Hello, Sophie. It's such an honour to have you on here today. Thank you so much for joining
1: us. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
0: Mm, It's great to have this opportunity to finally connect with you and actually get a chance to have a good chat about your story, your incredible book, and what has led you to, I guess, this deep passion that you have for mental and emotional well-being for parents and and parents-to-be. I absolutely cannot wait to dive into this topic with you as we were discussing before. It's something I'm so, so passionate about. But before we do dive into that like I would love for you to just share a little bit about you and your journey through motherhood and what has really led you to write in your book um, Beyond Birth.
1: Oh thank you. Um, It's a long story so I will try and summarize. <laughs> <laughs> My story starts nearly 17 years ago in fact more than 17 years ago and I realized I was pregnant having been told that I couldn't have children or was going to have a very difficult experience having children I now fast forward 17 years I now have four children four boys uh, my last pregnancy uh, was a twin pregnancy so I have identical twin boys and that was nine years ago. My eldest is 16 and a half now, but 17 and a bit years ago, the the shock of finding out that I was pregnant. Um, When I was mid-career working in film, uh, I was also a singer, meant that my life changed fundamentally overnight. And I was living apart from my husband at the time, or my partner, he wasn't my husband. We weren't expecting to get pregnant so quickly. So I was living and working, you know, uh, at least 50, 60 miles away from where he, he was in London. And I I had to kind of really embrace my pregnancy on my own for the first six months of my pregnancy until I moved in with him. Um, I had a terrible time with my bosses at work who were trying to get rid of me because I was pregnant. It was those days when you kind of just worked all hours and if you got pregnant you were very disposable but it taught me a lot about myself and and how you know how determined I was and I had a, a few years before that I had qualified in aromatherapy and massage it was something that I always thought I might go into and so when I finally moved in with my husband into into London six months pregnant thinking right what am I going to do with my life I had This idea that I would step into more of a kind of wellness and well-being role, not sure exactly how I was going to do that. Having my baby, though, um, was a very traumatic experience and it threw me a long way, actually, um, into mental ill health and I felt very, very alone, and I felt very unsupported. In fact, there was no support. My parents were a gazillion miles away living abroad. My husband's parents weren't anywhere near. We didn't have any family to support us. And of course, I hadn't had many months to kind of establish any relationships really locally where I was in London as well. So I recognized very quickly this need for support, and I felt that I couldn't speak to my GP because I was too afraid that my baby was going to get taken away from me if I talked about how I was really feeling. Mm. It was about a year into my year when basically my first baby was a year old and I suddenly started to realize that I was really unwell but equally I fell in love with him for the first time. Um, it was that long that my the trauma that I experienced was really significant, but equally the postnatal depression. And I hadn't realized what I'd done in that year, though, was create carved out a career for myself as a baby massage instructor. Mm-hmm. I'd buried my head into creating a career for myself because it was the only distraction I had that I could use that made me feel useful and that I was in control of. And I hadn't recognized that at the time, but everybody around me that got to know me was just like, (laughs) especially my husband, like, who are you? What's going on? And so I was forced to slow down around about when he was a year old to um, get some help. Finally went to GP. GP didn't say they were going to take my baby away from me. Luckily, they just said, we're going to put you into some CBT. Um, And we're going to supply you with some sertraline, which is some... It was a mild dose. It was about fifty milligrams of, you know, which is a it's just an SSRI. So it's it's just a kind of a mood enhancer, essentially. So I took that for about six months. It was about six months until I actually got help. So it was about eighteen months. By which time I had actually really started to utilize everything that I was I was practicing mm. <laughs> um, and preaching. So I. I got to a place actually by the time I had CBT where I was way more in control and way more balanced in understanding of what I was experiencing out of necessity. And I know now, equally, I see so many of my clients going through similar experiences as well, because there are really long waiting lists to get help. Mm-hmm. So this is this is what you know, so many mothers and fathers and partners are having to do, is to find ways to be resourceful. Luckily, I didn't have severe symptoms. Luckily, my symptoms were probably more mild to moderate, but enough Mm. to make me feel like I wasn't myself at all. And... I think that, you know, those experiences we grow from and I know that now, you know, so my why very much is born from that experience Mm. in terms of what I now do. So just to fast forward over the the years that followed, I had another baby, it wasn't traumatic, um, and I learned hypnobirthing, I became a hypnotherapist, CBT practitioner, mindfulness therapist, and I really piled all my passion and all my energy into my parenting community where I saw so little support really and I was so determined to support the parents that I could see that were really struggling that may not be struggling to the point where they need specialist help but may just need hand-holding, needing to feel safe, needing to feel heard, needing to feel seen All the things that we fundamentally as humans need, that especially in that time when we're Mm -hmm. so vulnerable, becoming new parents, especially in pregnancy as well as through the first few years, it's just this kind of real kind of gaping hole in terms of support. But yet the support Mm -hmm. is there, but it's really hard to know where to access it, how to access it, whether to afford it or not. You know, it's it's very different. According to where you are but equally it is confusing and yeah. the reason it's confusing is because we have a uh, have a have a fear of what mental health ill health looks like and we are so afraid of it so you, you know at the beginning of this conversation I said to you my main reason for not reaching out for help was because I was afraid my baby was going to be taken away from me mm. and <clears throat> this is one of the main reasons you know that so many people don't they suffer in silence because it's it's this, I can't tell anybody how I'm feeling because I don't want anybody else to know what's going on in my head because it scares the hell out of me and it's bound to scare the hell out of everybody else. And they're going to think I'm incapable and that I can't do normal things and look after my children, look after my family, look after myself. Whereas the reality is that we can, and we're so much more resilient than we realize, But. Those days are really scary, those months, those weeks, however long it is, is scary. And so, out of my experiences, because actually, even though I had a beautiful second birth, my baby had terrible reflux um, to the point of, I mean tearing my hair out kind of reflux, where he could put, he was silent reflux, he he was crying and crying and crying for that whole first year of his life. So I had this beautiful birth, but his his crying was really hard Mm. and I again had no support um and and then fast forward again to um when I I you know my business was really established I was supporting parents in my community and I found out I was pregnant with twins and we had moved to a to a new area and I didn't really know anybody there And and I was really unwell in that pregnancy, but equally we had a rare condition called twin to twin transfusion syndrome, which was life-threatening. So we found this out around 18 weeks in pregnancy. And each week we were told that we might lose one or both babies. And there were all sorts of things we had to navigate through. And I know that this conversation can be quite triggering for people. So I'm not gonna go into detail for that, but. Um, I had to really dig deep into all the resources that I had learned over those years so at that time it was seven years since I'd had my first baby Um, and I and I did but I still needed to reach out for help and if I hadn't had the resources that I knew then and hadn't worked with all the parents that I'd worked with and all the training I I don't know how I would have got through if I'm really honest with you. And, and I it was a very, very scary pregnancy. It was a really stressful time. My babies had to be born at 32 weeks into NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit. It was touch and go for one of them for a while. We were in there for, you know for, for a good month or more and then getting them home, of course, again mm. with very little support going through all of that you know it's NICU Awareness Month here in the UK I don't know if it's international but I should be telling my story um, because I've had three babies out of four in NICU so there is you know a lot a lot of emotional support that's needed for NICU parents anyway <laughs> but right. there was nothing even <clears throat> even what nine and a half years ago now again there was nothing offered to me at that time so again thank goodness I had the resources that I yeah. did So from all of that, Beyond Birth was born. It would, it was already there. And I was already working with new parents with emotional well-being, Mm. but it just needed to be born. And it was that experience that totally made me say, I've had enough I have (laughs) to get something out there now that is going to help parents to understand the importance of emotional well-being during this time, no matter what happens, whether or not you go through what I went through or you have the most beautiful, wonderful experience, we all need that level of understanding about ourselves. It's an awareness, but equally, these are practices that help to keep the wolf from the door, that equally keep us on the straight and narrow, That help us when we're having those really dark days and those terrible times when the curveballs hit to be able to understand that that will pass and that we can manage, and that we know what we can do in order to get through it, whether that be nothing or something. And so that's what Beyond Birth is about. So I'm on that mission right now Mm -hmm. to introduce emotional well-being into birth preparation and beyond to say to people especially in pregnancy and parenting that it it doesn't need to be hard or difficult is actually a really beautiful feel good simple way to live but it makes a whole lot of difference Mm. um so that's my why (laughs) and what keeps me going and it makes a difference to everybody around us as well not only us, but it ripples out to the whole of the family. Mm. And I see that now, you know, with my 16 and a half year old who's just completed his GCSE exams and how he coped through that. And what he said to me on the day he got his result just will live with me forever and had me in bits. As you can imagine, it was a really emotional day. But he said, "Mum, I couldn't have done this without you showing me how to be mindful and how to be calm and how to how to work through the stressful days and manage the really tough times when I felt like I just couldn't keep going
0: mm.
1: and how to how to remain calm through my exams he actually said that to me mama mama moment. and I just like <laughs> I, I went this is why we do what we do yeah. this is why I I am so so keen to keep going and it's it's not easy you know it isn't easy to shout from the rooftops about something that a lot of people are still f- afraid of hearing. Mm, 100%. You know, when you talk about mental health, a lot of people are like, "No, no, 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 I'm not going there. This is like opening a can of worms. i'm I'm too afraid to even think about it. I'm just going to keep going in my blinkered way through life and hope for the best. And for a lot of people that works, that's that you know, stoic way of being. Yeah. but often what we understand about emotional well-being is that you know unless we regulate our emotions and we enable them to be then they will find a way of coming back out you know and and getting us unfortunately it's just this way that, that that we are as human beings and so what better time and opportunity to focus on that when is when for when we're preparing for for a new baby to come into our arms and when we're new parents and we're feeling tired and vulnerable and we know that we're going to need that extra support Mm. that's when it's crucial actually as far as I'm concerned you know I Mm. used to say oh it's a good thing to do and it's preventative but actually now I'm past that I'm just saying actually as far as I can see with the amount of people we're seeing now in the world who are struggling with their mental health, especially in the perinatal period and those figures are rising, that it's just, you know, it's kind of a necessity now. It's like a non-negotiable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's why you invited me on your podcast. Yeah. You, you get this. And and hopefully so many more people will. It's my dream basically to to get to a point maybe soon, you know, in the next few years. Where everybody who is expecting a baby is saying, why wouldn't we prepare yes. for our emotional, you know, our emotional well-being? Why wouldn't we do that as well as our physical? It makes complete sense. It's mm. all wellness. It's all it's all us. Mm. So yeah, long, long-winded answer to your question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's amazing. And I think re- rewinding back to your story, you really hit the nail on the head there in regards to. I feel, you know, rewind back a decade ago where we have come in regards to the resources available for parents and mothers is incredible. We have come so far Mm. in that period. And Mm. I don't feel like, you know, it's a matter of there is a lack of support and resources there because there's actually a lot. And and as I've come into Mm. this space, I've realized when you put yourself in that space, there is a lot there, but I feel it's hugely about more the mentality and beliefs deeply ingrained beliefs that we have as mothers in as you said that fear to show any form of weakness of vulnerability in our role as mums is classed as a weakness and that you know we should be strong we should be the pillar of you know the household and um we shouldn't struggle and we should know it all and it's that mentality that can be that mm-hmm. is so detrimental Um, And I feel it is, it's more that in as really shifting our mindset around that and feeling okay and knowing it's okay and having these people surround you to encourage you in that it's absolutely fine to not be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we are humans, Mm -hmm. we're we're mums, but we're still humans. We're still going to have bad days. (laughs) We're still gonna, you know, motherhood doesn't make us superhuman, but we believe that
1: yeah we do um a lot a lot also don't but equally find it really hard to practice that and that's Mm. you know and and unless you're kind of practiced in emotional well-being and regulating your emotions then you know the knowing is one thing but the actual doing is another so so that you know that really resonates a lot with me um it's taken me you know all these years to get to a place where I'm beginning to understand myself to a point where I know when I need to stop where when I need to put boundaries in place when I need to manage my triggers and my emotions I still am very triggered I mean so much of what come what we bring into parenting is how we were parented ourselves for instance and that equally is a fear that we carry for so many of us or an expectation you know mm. um and 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 that's a lot to carry as well through through a very vulnerable experience yeah. <laughs> so 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 yeah it's it's we we can blame social media to a point and um and what the media portrays to us but actually so much of it is much more it's much deeper than that it's it's um as as we were talking about before we started recording the podcast is very much about the kind of epigenetic side of that Mm. that isn't you know it's just part of us Yes. there you know especially when it comes to traumas we're understanding trauma at a much deeper level now um in terms of the traumas that potentially our great grandmothers went through that we are essentially carrying through in our mothering and our relationship in, in terms of these reactions that we have that come from nowhere and we're thinking where the hell has that come from or why am I feeling this way when we are triggered in certain situations and those you know those are things that can be really scary to us as well
0: yeah
1: at where we're like I don't understand myself I don't understand where that's come from why am I being like this and then of course you've got the other layers of of the media and society that say oh there's something wrong with you you're failing Mm -hmm. why are you thinking feeling behaving in that way so i find you know the more i focus and read about and train in 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 all of this the more i'm uncovering that fascinates me so much and you know my book is very much about the the real kind of basic level of understanding of emotional well-being but in my day-to-day work as a as a you know a therapist a Mm -hmm. hypno cbt practitioner a therapist um it's it's unravelling so much more but beyond birth fundamentally is just saying if you're going to prepare for a baby and you want to have a better experience you absolutely need to focus on you and have a deeper awareness on what emotions are essentially what they are and how they feel and how we process them and you know, understanding our nervous system and how it works, and having a you know basic psych- psychoeducation around that, and looking at our relationships. Mm. Yeah, the relationships we have with ourselves, the relationships we have with our partner, if we have one, or with family members that are close or not. You know, and just reflecting on all of that because, as we know, that having a baby brings up so much of our past, uh, whether we yes. like it or not.
0: It certainly <laughs> does. <laughs>
1: Uh, kind of knocking at that door and suddenly mm. we're questioning ourselves questioning mm. our partners you know our parents our irrelevant anything really um yeah. our, our position in society our you know our our work the relationship with work changes there's so much i mean i love mm. the work that you know, dr sophie brock does i've spoken on her podcast several times mm, she's amazing um yeah. Yeah, because she's really diving deep into those kind of, mm. you know, societal relationships, which is is intriguing and and um, does cross over into the work that I do around, you know, emotional well-being. All of it kind of really matters so much. Yeah. But yeah, Beyond Birth is is about the simplicity. I I I feel that we need to start there. We need to start from the feel-good factor and actually. The beauty of emotional well-being is that it makes you feel better and good (laughs) because Mm. it produces hormones in you that counterbalance the stress hormones. It produces a mindset in you that helps you to manage the fears and the worries and the anxiety that you experience. So when we are practicing daily well-being, it reminds us to be more in the moment and it also gives us the opportunity to work on that and to be inspired by that and to feel better and more real (laughs) less in our heads perhaps more in our hearts as well Um, and Mm. as parents that is really valuable I wish somebody had taught me that many many years ago when I was becoming a parent the first time of just this ability to be able to come out of our head and into our heart and really feel into it and check in and, you know come home to ourselves which is inevitably the biggest act of parenting ourselves we can ever do but really necessary yeah. through every day
0: and, mm. and I want to touch on that you touched on the simplicity and mm. so I know especially as mums and prioritize our own well-being it can often be put on the end of our to-do lists and that feeling like we just do not have enough time um, to add these into everything else that we need to do um I would love Mm. to know how you've managed um to time manage your own emotional well-being as a mum of four running the business that you do and and everything else and So how can we simplify these practices um, so that they can be made easy to
1: integrate into a very busy schedule? It's a really good question. It's often one that I get asked because the first thing that people think when they have to take care of themselves is that they need time apart from their family and time apart from their day-to-day in order to be able to do that. Um, Because we're sold the idea that well-being is... Um, creating a beautiful healthy meal for ourselves going out and having a walk or doing some exercise doing a class having a bath doing now all of those things are definitely very valuable but as a busy parent often meeting the demands of your children however old they are that those demands keep coming Mm -hmm. that mental load is is enough to make you want to explode internally anyway so the thought of having to fit in any additional things that you're already doing especially if you're as well if you're working as well you know it's like I've had very angry reactions to people from people saying you know how am I supposed to do this like what the hell Like, you must be really privileged you must have like loads of help you must have loads of time on your hand and I remember thinking and feeling exactly like that until the penny dropped. And what I write about in Beyond Birth and what my practitioners who train in Beyond Birth, you know, portray and demonstrate in their parenting communities is actually that whatever we do, we do it with intent anyway to help ourselves. So if we are feeding our, par- our children nutritious food, we give that to ourselves. If we yeah. are giving them a glass of water, we have one ourselves. If we're taking them out to the park, we do it for us too. We are very much integral in everything and it's all about the intent. Intent is the secret source to absolutely everything. So the intention is not necessarily just to meet their demands and take care of them, but it's equally to do the same for ourselves. Yeah. When you start to do that, life changes so much because you start to see where you need to put boundaries in place and you need that time for yourself equally as well so there is no harm in breastfeeding a baby and taking that moment for yourself where you are fantasizing about being in a safe beautiful place on holiday you know just lapping it up in every sensory detail that doesn't make you a bad parent Mm -hmm. it's good for your emotional well-being equally if you are feeling really stressed and triggered there is no harm in you putting your baby down because they need to sleep and you just lying down with them and having a moment where you just go into deep relaxation for five minutes Mm -hmm. and breathe deeply there is, you know, there are ways around it and with it, yeah, mm-hmm. that enable you to actually feel better by the end of the day. Equally, tools and techniques like gratification, yeah. So, what am I grateful for right now? Ch- flip it, flipping the coin. You know, when you notice that you're spiraling into that, I wish I had that kind of coming from a place of lack, of just actually going. This, I, you know, I have this. And I am feeling into this and I can do this. And yes, it's like, it sounds like toxic positivity, which can be really, really detrimental, especially to anybody who's struggling with their mental health, because it's very difficult to come out of that hole (coughs) and and find that gratification. But equally, when you lay your head down on your pillow at the end of the night, and you reflect on the things that went well in the day, it will help you to sleep better and it will also enable you to recognise your in spite of story, the things that you've got through no matter what. And those are the little moments that matter so much more than the kind of bigger gestures. So yes, have that beautiful bath with those amazing oils when you can, for sure. Book yourself (laughs) a massage. Go and have that walk when you're on your own. Go and have time with your friends. That social connection is so important. But when you do all of that, you do it with intention. And the intent is absolutely the magic all the way through. And if somebody had enabled me to understand that right early on, they would would have written another book by now on. (laughs) But equally that it takes just a few moments to check in with yourself as well and you know that is one of the things that I, I do every single day at least three four times a day now without even thinking about it um, and it you know it's the practice that, that comes through mm-hmm. where you're just checking in hand on heart saying i'm coming home to me right now because i need to just do this i'm taking a pause and i'm feeling into how it feels to connect to my hand and my heart and i'm giving myself what i need whatever that looks like and before i know it it switches on that lovely warmth that feeling of oxytocin that flows that connects and i i feel held and i feel safe and that's what emotional regulation looks like It's feeling held, safe, connected, connected to nature, connected to yourself, connected to somebody else—your baby, your child, your partner, whatever it is. That's what it feels like and looks like. Mm. And when you can do that, it's like, oh man, okay, this is what it looks like. Don't get me wrong—I'm a mum of four boys. I am triggered regularly. But it's, it's even more reason why I check in with me. Um, yeah. Or I've learned to leave the room <laughs> when I need to. Um, and I've learned boundaries. I've learned to communicate better than I ever did. You know, I. I sometimes the testosterone is so much it feels so ragey that I am totally outnumbered and I feel like I just have to get outside and take a few <laughs> breaths of fresh <pressure laughs> air until it's all calmed down, you know, <laughs> you know when to engage with it and when not to.
0: <laughs> yeah I imagine. I absolutely love that though. And I totally resonate with when that penny dropped for me as well in how simplistic these practices need to be Um, it was an absolute game changer for me and one practice I want to say just because it's just been it's so simple but has been so effective for me is um even though now I've kind of got to a point where I've consistently and I think consistency is a big thing and just like you said making sure you're consistently practicing that every single day and it does get to a point where it becomes a little bit more automated you know, you kind of yep. become a little bit more attuned to how your body is feeling in that moment and what your body needs in that moment, and and knowing when to stop and breathe. But I remember when I first started, and I still have it on there now. It's just two simple reminders that pop up on my phone every single day, at nine o'clock and at three o'clock. And at nine o'clock, it just says breathe. And in that moment, I see my phone, and it's just a simple reminder for whatever I'm doing to just stop and take ten slow deep breaths and just check in with myself mm. at three o'clock mm-hmm. there's a reminder to say gratitude, and in that moment just mm. three things that I'm grateful for and it's mm. such a simplistic thing but as for me has been so impactful um and like yeah. you said it just it Brings you back to presence in those moments of overwhelm and stress and dysregulation. Oh, yeah,
1: that's so important as well to note because there there are going to be days when you have those reminders and you want to throw your phone out of the window <laughs> yeah, because you're seeing that reminder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just like, want to breathe. <laughs> Excuse me, my language, but I'm not grateful for anything (laughs) and you know what it's okay and actually that's really powerful because it's a really good opportunity for release so when you have those moments you know again if this is all about emotional well-being so it's recognizing those times and saying yeah it's not always going to work in the same way for me and and you know what there are other strategies that I have in play Mm. for being you know for coping with that when I'm feeling like I want to throw the phone out the window when I see a reminder like that it's a really good reminder to me to go and scream into a pillow scream into the wind you know <laughs> write it down like just write fuck it a hundred times on a page anything excuse my language but that is you know, that philosophy works, Mm. you know, in the moment, because you're, you're getting it out with intent, again. So it's, you know, put on some loud music and dance with your hands in your air until you're exhausted. Mm. And then you can go right now I can breathe. Now I can be grateful. And that's okay. Because every day is going to be different. And every, every, emotional well-being practice will come into place on different days and that's why it's so good to kind of have so many tricks up your sleeve where you practice so it it becomes part of your second nature to understand that you've got other resources even on the days when you're feeling like you just like want to tell somebody where to go and just can't deal with it because actually those days are really valuable too there is so much value in recognizing the dark side of the mum and there is an account on Instagram that I have followed for years Annie who is amazing she is called dark side of the mum and um, she's a psychologist or is she a psychotherapist, She's a psychologist, a psychotherapist, but she is absolutely into the dark side. We have to have the yin to the yang. We have mm. to embrace that side of ourselves as well mm-hmm. and to understand that, you know, it's all part of us. We, the more we try to hide that and push it down, mm. the more it's going to come out in other ways that we are then going to be led to feel guilty, sh- ashamed, or worse about so on those days it's like okay how do I release and and release as quickly as I possibly can you know my it's about recognizing those trigger times too so I mean you know I still get triggered towards the end of the day when I have to feed the 5,000 because that's what it feels like and I'm (laughs) you know it's that monotony of cooking a meal again Mm. and you know I don't often eat the same food as the boys as well so I end up having to eat separate you know cook different meals and I know it's going to be a really triggering time the kids are hangry they get really aggressive when they're hangry and so I put music on and we dance or I dance sometimes they dance with me um in the kitchen while I'm preparing the food and it's loud enough for me I can properly escape but equally it does have an effect on them too and you know as I said, they either dance dance with me or they just, you know, sit and glare at me until they, I put food in front of them. But what <laughs> they've witnessed is me regulating my emotions in a way that tells them that it's safe to do that, too, when they're feeling triggered. And I say to them, I say I'm feeling re- really triggered right now. I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite full on. I'm feeling like Aggie. I say I'm Aggie. So mm-hmm. so they understand. So that then they're not second guessing as to yeah. you know it being too personal with them, but it's more, okay, mom's had a hard day, she's feeling a bit tired, she knows she has to get food in front of us, and <laughs> this is how it is. And that's that is a good lesson, you know. It's okay to show your children as well that you are emotional, <laughs> that mm-hmm. you are finding it quite difficult in that moment. Um, and the more you do that and you enable it in a safe way, the more they will see that and hopefully model that in ways themselves. But equally, it helps you to release and certainly definitely does for me, whether or not the food tastes any good. We can all then feel better and chat around the table. And, you know, one of our things is like what went well in the day that we talk about on that kitchen table. Mm. Um, and we're all feeling a lot calmer so yeah that's that's one of my top tips for (laughs) for managing those trigger times but recognizing when your triggers are there you know it could well be early in the morning as well when you're needing to get up and get yourself ready and you've got Somebody attached to you continuously, preventing you from doing that, asking gazillion questions, not wanting to eat their breakfast, throwing it at you, and you've just put your makeup on and got changed, you know, all of these things. Those are trigger times. Getting kids off to school in the morning, so many parents just end up completely losing the plot at that point. You know, how many kids are just like there? Moaning, groaning all the way into school, same school Mm. pickup time again, another, another pick, you know, another picky moment. It's like, if you've forgotten to bring snacks, then it's game over, you're (laughs) gonna end up having a kid that is going to treat you mm. like you are the worst <laughs> person in the world. Yeah. Even though you're probably quite pleased to see them and it feels mm. really personal. So those trigger times are another great opportunity to kind of ground and, and practice emotional regulation just kind of before or during. Um, yes. And it it really does make a, a big big difference to how we cope through yeah
0: that's my mm.
1: advice certainly I mean beyond birth is is very much the beginnings of that but everything in there even though it's created for that perinatal period which is from conception through the first few years is 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 going to carry you through life anyway you know I've got people friends of mine who who, who have older children you know clients who read it I'm scared this makes so much sense like it definitely is all in there the basics the fundamentals the understanding but also there's so much for your for partners too it's not just for mums it's it's Mm, about dads and partners too yeah it's it we have to we have to look at the whole family unit and see how this ripples out to everybody and does have a lifelong life-lasting effect and and if parents are finding it hard to do this for themselves then you know think about their Think about the little ones that you care about so much that you're trying so hard to to make life right for and do the right thing for. They need you to be okay. They need you to be regulated. Um, So do it for them if you can't do it for yourself for whatever reason. Mm, I was gonna say as well in
0: regards to going back to um you know those demonstrations and to your children in the moment of you self-regulating have you seen evident benefits to your children in you going through this journey and becoming more attuned to yourself and and um outwardly uh, demonstrating those um emotional regulation techniques them are they demonstrating it now in in their childhood Mm. and teenagehood and
1: yeah definitely so i mean uh, you know eldest boy obviously coping through his exams and giving me that amazing feedback um and i am seeing it through all the boys in various ways about you know how they cope and how they come together as well Mm. the thing we are i think pretty good at as a family in our little unit of six is communicating and you know, one of the biggest things i've I hope that I've managed to show them is that is that when we bottle it up, it will find a way out. So to talk about how we're thinking and feeling in the moment enables everybody around us to understand and support us yes. because if if it remains inside, then it does end up becoming more of a problem, more of an issue, but equally everybody around us feels that there is something wrong, but the hypothetical mind guesses as to what mm. that is. Mm. So until, and especially with little ones, react seeing parents reactive, until you explain to them what it is, they may well think that it's their fault or to do with them. So yeah. we have to mm. communicate more. And when we're tired and we're feeling vulnerable in a relationship, it's one of the first things to to go without us really consciously realizing because we start to internalize, we start to get quieter, we 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 become much more internally aware of what we are thinking and feeling and unable necessarily to be able to for whatever reason be able to communicate outwardly as to what's going on for us. It's a really valuable lesson mm-hmm. is to speak your truth. Yeah. <laughs> and be on and be honest always. And therefore the hypothetical mind, the one that's trying to keep us safe all the time, and is the one that makes up things because it thinks it's it knows what's going on, and we believe it. So until we know the facts, it's best to you know ask the questions or to say out out loud what what the facts are. It's it's time on time and time again the reason why so many parents come to me for one to one therapy coaching is a breakdown in communication either with themselves as well but often in the relationships that they have with their children with their family etc mm. so I would say you know that's the biggest nugget um that I can possibly offer right now is this you know speak it even though it's hard to do and we may well not have learned that in our own childhood as well so it's a very yes. very alien concept but if you can't speak it write it down Second best. <laughs> Definitely.
0: Mm, I love that. I completely agree. Communication is just key. And I found it so helpful. And I can see the appreciation even through um Hal and my daughter, when there is that open communication. I am really, really honest, you know, with her in what I'm going through and that I'm always having a really difficult time at the moment um you know I I just need a couple of minutes Mm. to breathe and I can really see in little in little ways how she's picking up that you know and able to express herself like I mean I'm feeling angry right now or you know and just being able to say that you know (laughs) and me accept (laughs) it and invite it in and be like you're feeling angry right now that's okay and you know acknowledging that and that, that that's okay to be feeling that feeling you know
1: absolutely yes I'm so with you on on the way into a new school year a couple of days ago um, one of my twins said to me mommy I'm feeling really excited and I'm really scared and it was all in one breath
0: Mm. and I looked at
1: him I went it's okay to feel all of that right now and Mm. it, it that is yeah absolutely a demonstration of how he has learned to feel safe to tell me his emotion and to identify what it is that he's experiencing yeah. as well yeah. so you're absolutely right so the the more we can do that and you know also when we say something like I'm feeling angry right now we say it out loud we kind of dissolve some of its power Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. we we can dissolve especially really intense emotions like anger I mean all of them are pretty intense but anger is is one of the ones that we feel so much shame about feeling and and displaying but actually it is an emotion within us that is you know one that we need to process and so by outing it and explaining it we can help to dissolve some of its power. And if you repeat that a few Mm. times, it becomes more about the experience of saying it than the actual experience of feeling angry. And that is really interesting. Mm. (laughs) So I am feeling angry right now so you've said to the world you're angry whoever's in the room and yourself I am feeling angry right now I'm feeling angry what is anger anger I'm feeling angry why am I feeling angry what's angry all about okay let's deal with this anger like let's deal with this emotion and it becomes something else but it's not something we're taught when we're no. little to do mm. yeah because suddenly it becomes more of a about the word anger and what angry sounds like (laughs) rather than the anger Mm -hmm. but you're outing it and when you your children witness that it they learn very very quickly that that is how how to process it doesn't Mm -hmm. always work of course because they learn from everybody else as well yeah but yeah it's you know it's normal and it's really valuable um and even if we as children were taught to suppress our emotions Um, that doesn't mean that we have to do the same for our children and Mm -hmm. we can break the cycle if we work on ourselves as well. And there's a really ideal opportunity when we become parents to do that. Mm, (laughs) I
0: absolutely love that. So for mothers that are listening right now to this and wanting to start prioritizing their emotional and mental well-being more in their journey of motherhood, what would be your Mm. biggest advice and tips for, I guess, making those first steps, those first baby steps?
1: Yeah, so obviously, I would suggest, you know, diving into emotional well-being practices. I mean, my book has a lot in there, plus journaling exercises as well, audios, questionnaires, you know, just start to kind of get to grips with what it looks like, It is not about opening a can of worms and diving into your childhood and diving into your past. It's Mm -hmm. very much about recognizing and deepening and awareness of how you're thinking, feeling and behaving and seeing the patterns that you have and and really about embracing the feel good. So, you know, that lovely psychoeducation that you can get about tapping into the feel good hormones Mm -hmm. that naturally reduce your stress anyway learning a technique you know that helps you to ground which is like parking your nervous system is putting you into a place of perspective and clarity rather than you know reactivity where you start to recognize that you have control again over that is so empowering so those are the things that it's like oh okay you know now I can do that and actually recognizing what you already have in yourself anyway it's like ah mm-hmm. oh, so when that happens I do that anyway quite naturally I hadn't thought about that so you will have natural natural coping strategies that are really positive and brilliant so it's not about rewriting the book of your life just because you're becoming a parent but it's about recognizing your qualities your characteristics and your strengths and how you can use that to your advantage and especially when it comes to parenting and modeling to a little one who is going to be like a sponge lapping it up <laughs> looking at you, you and yes. working out their lives and hopefully improving your relationship as well if you have a relationship with you know and with a parent another parent and with everybody around you and with yourself <laughs> it's mm. a really good opportunity to kind of dive a bit deeper and strengthen the relationship that you with you that you have with yourself and so you can start to recognize perhaps when you're not being so kind to yourself for instance and when you, you can be a bit more forgiving and compassionate and and reap the, the benefits of that. It's really about starting with the basics though about understanding yeah. the, the feel good factor, tapping into that, going, oh yeah, that's great. It doesn't need to be like going to university and learning a whole new degree and everything and, and a whole mm. new way of living and life. It will come gradually, but the little things really matter. And self-love and self-compassion and self-care are fundamentally the most important things you can do as you become a parent. Yeah. Um, they're bandied about and everybody goes, oh yeah, self-love, whatever. But it it really is about the little, my colleague Susie Redding says this beautifully, the micro moments. It's about mm. those little moments where we can really embrace the intention of helping ourselves and feeling better very quickly as a result of it. Mm,
0: And I honestly, I believe your book breaks that down so beautifully. And I love how you do, you make something that can feel very overwhelming and a daunting task to take on very simplistic. Um, And yeah, it's a great way to start. So
1: amazing. Thank you. (laughs) So tell us
0: what's next for you. Like, do you have anything that you're currently creating? Like I'd love to hear you know, if you have anything planned for the near future?
1: Well, I'm still focused on, on Beyond Birth as it is. So it's a book and an audio book, which is coming out soon, because a lot of people saying to me, I just can't think at all enough to even read when I'm becoming a parent so the audio Mm. is coming out really soon it's recorded I just need to get it out there the training the practitioner training which is for parent support sessions in beyond birth is going really well Um, we've got more than 200 practitioners in the world so I am working hard behind the scenes to to keep that fire burning and it really is about a mission and a and a passion to bring emotional wellbeing into our communities. Mm. It's not an easy job, but it's very rewarding. And I say it's not easy in the sense that it's exceptionally easy in terms of understanding and putting it into the community, but it's hard because the communities are not necessarily quite ready to do that yet. Mm. So that's what we're finding, is that anything to do with well wellbeing is going really well. Anything to do with parental wellbeing is secondary to that Um, but what people don't understand parents don't understand is that it's about it's baby's well-being if you're taking care of yourself Mm. and that really is fundamentally what beyond birth is about so we will get there so the, the next the next step for me is is just to continue on this path on my mission to bring emotional well being into the lives of all parents, starting perinatally, for families for life. That's it, and that's you know a bit like being a pioneer and climbing a mountain at times. <laughs> but there are there are so many bonuses to it as well, and you know I know there are so many other people out there who are working hard to do that too, and I'm joining mm-hmm. up forces with them too um so yeah it's it's just a bit of a a bit of a mountain to climb and mm. <laughs> keep going um I do a lot of mentoring of the practitioners that I train as well so that's you know that keeps me really busy and also obviously I am fundamentally a therapist I, I work one-to-one a few days a week with with clients online worldwide as well as locally and that keeps my feet on them too and I love that I love that I can still work in communities and and help in the way that I originally trained to and planned to so there we go
0: (laughs) well I completely support and advocate everything that you are putting out and all the support and education you're providing I honestly I mean you know like I'm so passionate about it and I feel this work is so crucial and so important to shifting um the culture around parenthood and and how we can start showing up for ourselves and how we can start exampling that for our children so I'll definitely be supporting you in that journey and I just want to thank Thank you you. so much for taking the time to be with us here today and and talking on this incredibly wholesome and and valuable topic so thank you
1: (laughs) thanks Jade I really appreciate it too really it's great to connect with you
0: for all of our listeners and if you would also like to follow Sophie's journey and and would like to get your own copy of her book beyond birth please make sure to head on over and show some love to her socials and Sophie could you let us know how
1: our listeners can find you yeah so I'm at the mama coach on Instagram which is m-a-double-m-a-c-o-a-c-h um i'm also at beyond underscore birth underscore guide on instagram and you can find me on my website which is themamacoach.com again two m's in the middle of mama Um, i'm also on facebook the mama coach and I've got a couple of Facebook groups going for beyond birth so there's beyond birth mindful early parenting so for anybody to join and then if you want to do the practitioner training there's an amazing collective as well of practitioners who are bringing as I said Mm -hmm. bringing beyond birth into their communities um introducing emotional well-being to parents either in later pregnancy or in in early parenting and it's just beautiful to see how that's going down and the testimonials that are coming back and the support that each practitioner is giving as well. So we've got therapists, midwives, we've got parents themselves who are passionate about it people who are doulas hypnobirthing practitioners baby massage any kind of baby groups lots and lots of people kind of getting to grips with this because they're seeing the value and the, basically the necessity for it now um, so yeah it's really exciting <laughs> amazing i'm excited for you it sounds
0: incredible
1: <laughs> well thank you so much thank Sophie. you, thank you.
0: Mamas, if you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more from the Mother Hair podcast, please make sure to spread the love, like, and subscribe so you can keep up to date on all our latest episodes and interviews. You can also head on over via the link in the episode bio to the Mother Hair Instagram community for your weekly dose of inspiration, practical tools, and talks. You can also find free resources, the Mother Hair blog, and courses via my website link in the bio. See you all soon.